0: Eats with sinners. Today, investment. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever rented a house and owned the same house at some point. You rented it, but then later you bought it. Okay? Got a couple of you. Got a couple of you. Okay? Um, kind of rare because there's only just a handful of you that's ever done that. My son Chris uh, and his wife Lindsay and, and their family. Um, have been uh, owners the owners of a house for a couple of years now uh, it 's a house they bought that they used to rent for several years when they first moved to Wilmington. They first lived in an apartment and then later they moved to a house and they rented that house for several years. They loved the house it was a great little house uh, and uh, they from near the beginning, they were asking the owner, you know, would you be willing to sell the house to us because we really like it. Well, for the longest time, he said, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to sell it. But they were persistent. And finally, a couple of years ago, the, the, owner, the owner finally agreed to sell them this house. Uh, so, so Chris and Lindsay went from being uh, renters uh, of a house to owners of the same house and, and continuing to live in it. Now, Now, if you've ever been a renter, and an owner of a house, not maybe not necessarily the same one, but m- most of us have been renters, and then we've also, uh, w- maybe we own a house too. Um, you know the difference between the mindset of a renter and a homeowner, right? You, you know exactly how that feels. One of the biggest differences in the mindset of a renter and an owner is investment, <laughs> investment in that house you know as a renter you know that there's there's only so much that you're going to be willing to invest in somebody else's property you know you're not going to spend a whole lot of money uh for somebody else's house you know during chris and Lindsay's renting years uh they did invest a little you know at when you're renting sometimes you'll paint you know so you you buy the paint and you you paint the rooms like you want them um uh they they put up a ceiling fan. Uh, They did invest that much money to to put up a ceiling fan in the living room. They they replaced the air filters, (laughs) the air conditioner system, Uh, things like that. Uh, But if there was anything major that needed to be done for the house, you know, like uh, uh, a plumbing problem or electrical problem or, uh, you know, leaky roof, uh, something like that that was going to cost a lot of time and a lot of money, they didn't invest their money in that. They would just simply go to the landlord, to the owner, and they'd say, Hey, man, the roof's leaking. Can you do something? Or they, this pipe broke. Can you, can, can you fix it? And then, and then he would take care of it. They didn't invest very much in those kind of things. Um, they were not willing to do that because it wasn't their house. It was somebody else's house. And that made sense. Many of us have been there. You, you're willing to invest a little bit, but not a whole lot when you're renting. Uh, now that they're owners of this very same house, boy, are things different with my son Chris and Lindsay. Uh, suddenly, everything has changed. Um, now Chris is knocking out walls uh, and remodeling the kitchen. Uh, now he's uh, uh, putting in new cabinets in the kitchen. Now he's rewiring parts of his house. Uh, it, they're talking about upgrading the HVAC system. Uh the, now they're ready to invest in this house because, well, it's theirs now. Well, it's the bank's, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's theirs. The, the value to them of this house has greatly increased now because they're the owners. It's no longer somebody else's house. It's theirs. And because it is a value, value to them, they're ready to invest. Uh, The next ingredient in our quest to find out how Jesus loved people when he was here on earth is investment, investment. Uh, We're going to add that to the ones we've done so far. We've been talking about uh, the many ways that Jesus expressed and demonstrated his love for people when he encountered them during his time here on earth. Uh, they are ingredients that you and I should also demonstrate in our lives as we seek to develop intentional relationships with people that are in our lives um, that are far from God, and they need forgiveness. They need God's grace. This, these are the ingredients that we need to, to have in our lives as we uh, uh, seek a relationship with them. Let's look at them again. Integrity. Uh, that's, uh, being real, being genuine in your walk with God, accessibility, removing barriers that would keep you from, uh, having relationships with people, grace, understanding, Hey, I'm a sinner too. Uh, I need Jesus just as much as you do faith, trusting God to be with you as you seek these relationships, intimacy, being willing to develop close friendships with people who are far from God, tolerance. Tolerating sinners, not their sin, but the person, the sinner, uh, as we're sinners too. Uh, resolve, refusing to quit until we reach the goal of, of sharing Jesus with them. Urgency, uh, Jesus' return is closer now than ever before. Uh, time is running out, maybe for their own life, uh, as, as their life is, will end, uh, as all of us will uh, time, uh, time is running out. And then last week, mercy. Deciding to leave revenge and punishment. Let's leave that in God's hands. Let's leave that in God's hands. And let's give people what they don't deserve. Just as we don't, don't deserve God's grace. They don't either. But let's, let's try to give it to them or at least show them where it is. Mercy. And then let's add another ingredient today. Investment. Uh, a a willingness to give whatever it takes to help people find God uh, and find his grace. Believe it or not, Jesus has a house for us. He built a house. Uh, It's not one that he rented or he owned when he walked the earth. Uh, In fact, it's a house that's in heaven. And guess what? He built it. Did you know Jesus was a a contractor? No, he, he built it up in heaven. Uh, And it's not even for him to live in. He's building it for you and me to live in. That's going to be our home. Let's read about it. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4. Jesus said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus has a place. Jesus has a place. He has a house that he has prepared for people to spend eternity living in with him in his presence. It has many rooms. It has plenty of space for everybody that wants to come, this house that he's preparing. Um, Now, where is this house? What what kind of house is it? Uh, It's in heaven. It's the place where God is. uh, And people who accept Jesus as their Savior are going to go and live in this house. Now, is it a literal brick-and-mortar house uh, like we would see here on earth? Um, are we going to spend uh, an eternity in a literal house? Well, maybe, I guess. You know, if God wanted to build a house out of brick-and-mortar, he could. Uh, but I tell you what, that would be a pretty big house. That would be, I mean, think of all the rooms, If if especially if we all had our own room, uh, if it was a real brick-and-mortar house. My guess is it's probably not a brick-and-mortar house. My guess is that that Jesus is just using an image, like uh, Will was talking about this more, living water, uh, being thirsting, hungering and thirsting after living water. Jesus wasn't talking about literal water when he he told the woman at the well, you need this water. But he was using an image that we can understand. And and I think that's the same thing here. Um, Jesus is using an image of something that all of us, even in the 21st century, Uh, from the first century can understand. We understand a house, and we understand that we live in a house, uh, and that's important to have. Um, The the house or the place that Jesus is preparing for us um, is so wonderful. Uh, It's so spectacular. It's so unlike anything that you and I have ever seen here uh, on earth, uh, we, if he did describe exactly what it is, uh, we probably couldn't even imagine it. We probably couldn't even imagine it. Uh, so Jesus, as he often does when he's talking about eternal things and spiritual things, he often uses images that we can't understand. What can we understand? We can understand a, a mansion. We can understand a big house. You know, that, that big house uh, that we always envy. Oh, boy, that, I bet that's a nice house. We understand that. We understand streets of gold. We understand what a street is. We understand what gold is, right? And so we, as we imagine, wow, the streets paved with gold. Man, that would be something special. Uh, how about gates that are made of single pearls? You know, we usually think of a pearl, uh, little pearls around your neck. Uh, but, but what about a gate that has such a big pearl? One pearl makes a whole gate. Uh, we can imagine a pearl. We can imagine a gate. Uh, so, so Jesus is using this imagery of a, of a big house that we're all going to live in. Um, bottom line, Jesus has prepared a place, a wonderful place, for people to spend eternity in with him. And it's going to be fantastic. And, and while we might know, not know exactly what this place looks like, uh, we do know one thing. We know what it cost Jesus to build it, to make it possible. We know that Jesus had to invest a lot in it for you and for me and anybody else who is going to move into that house one day when he returns. Uh, um, This house that he has prepared is valuable. It's valuable. Not because of the value of the house itself but because of the people who are going to live in the house. That's what's going to make it valuable. You and me, as we, his precious souls, we're going to live in it, and that's what makes it valuable. And it is this, the people who will live there, the people who will live in this house, that motivated Jesus to invest so much to make it possible. Jesus invested a lot. He invested his energy to build this house. He invested his energy. One of the things that Chris and Lindsay have discovered about owning a house as opposed to renting it is the amount of energy it takes now to to keep it up and to make it like they want it, like they've always wanted it. Uh, Chris is like me. He's a DIYer. Uh, Chris is a do-it-yourselfer. Uh, if there's anything that he can do or learn to do from a YouTube video... He's going to do it. He's not going to hire somebody to do it. He's going to do it. Uh, DIY is, is, uh, is both satisfying and it saves you a lot of money. You, you can look back and go, man, I did that. Look what, look what I did. And you can look at your, your, your uh, bank account and you say, look how much money is still in my bank account. I didn't have to pay somebody to come do this. Uh, in, in the time that Chris has owned the house, he's replaced a toilet. He's replaced. Uh, he's installed flooring in both bathrooms and in the foyer. Uh, he's uh, he's rebuilt, the, as I said, the kitchen cabinets. He he rewired his shed for two twenty, so he could put an air conditioner in there, running it underground. Um, he's replaced uh, tub drains, uh, drain pipes. He's he the the owner, the previous owner had had reshingled one side of the roof. But he never got around to the other side of the roof, and all the shingles were just sitting on a pallet out by the, in the yard. Uh, so he and and his son uh, Silas reshingled the other side of the roof. Uh, so man, he has put a lot of time and energy in that house in just a couple of years that they've owned it. Um, anything like that is is, is going to cost him time and energy. Uh, it. It would be so easy to just get on the phone and say, hey, could you come finish up my roof? Could you install this pipe? Could you, could you remodel? Could you put down this floor? It would be so easy to just call somebody and have them do it. Um, but the reward of doing it yourself, man, it's so much greater, isn't it? Uh, again, looking back and thinking, man, look what I did, and especially, look how much money I saved by investing this time and energy. Think of the energy that that Jesus had to use to make it possible for you and me to move into that house that he's preparing for us to live in. Man, he had to leave the comfort of heaven. He had to leave the comfort of where that house is uh, and all the splendor of it uh, to come down and become a man. He he had to uh, live like a pauper. He went from being a prince to a pauper. Uh, He was born in a barn. He was raised in a carpenter's home. Uh, He faced hunger, poverty, sickness, hard labor uh, in his first 30 years uh, of life. And then when his ministry began, um, think of the hours and days and months and years that he put into teaching, to traveling all over the area to teach uh, sleeping in strange places, he never had his own own place to sleep. Uh, the heat, the dust, uh, the, the smells, <laughs> the fatigue, the ridicule, false accusations, insults from people who are supposed to be servants of his father's, his father. Uh, imagine the stress and the weariness of having to deal with bad attitudes of people who, who should have known better and should have recognized who he was, the anticipation of facing crucifixion uh, must have been exhausting. exhausting. Think about how how exhausting it is when you're going to face an MRI or, or a colonoscopy or, or some other medical procedure. Imagine the how exhausting it must have been to know crucifixion was coming and how horrible it was going to be. The night that before he was arrested, Jesus prayed uh, and waited. And, and Luke twenty-two forty-four describes his state of mind. It says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. The energy that, that was required of him as he prayed in the garden that night before he was crucified. Jesus invested his energy and his time, more than we can possibly imagine, to make it possible to live with him in this house that he's preparing for us. Jesus also invested his resources. Uh, you know, there, there's no way of, of knowing what this house will look like when we get there, uh, what it'll be like. I, I love the song. Uh, from Audio Adrenaline, remember that? Uh, back in the 90s, I guess it was, uh, called Big House. Isn't that a great song? We, we used it at Jim's funeral uh, recently. Um, the song uh, that Audio Adrenaline wrote tries to sort of imagine in modern times uh, the, this, what, what it was like to describe the house that Jesus is preparing. And so it's called a big, big house with a big, big yard and a big, big table with lots and lots of food, and, and what are we going to do? We're going to play football. Uh, well, of course, this was written by some guys probably that love football. Uh, you, if you wrote that song, you probably, you know, you probably would would say, with you know, we won't be playing football, I'll be doing crafting, or I'll be uh you know whatever you enjoy doing I'll do w- woodworking lots of lots and lots of woodworking uh you know whatever your passion is w- that you enjoy doing in this life that's probably what you would uh, put in the song if you had written it but they were trying to describe this wonderful place um that we enjoy being where we enjoy being um now I don't know if we'll play football or even care about football I bet we won't even care about it uh but uh but it, it's going to be a wonderful place. Um, Aaron uh, Chambers wrote this about, uh, about this special place that we're going to be living in. He said, do you know how incredible something has to be to be considered a treasure in a place with streets of gold, mansions, and a crystal sea? Wow, what a, what a wonderful place heaven is going to be, and this house that we're going to be living in. Is going to be. Jesus has invested great resources to create a place that we're going to spend eternity with him in. And Jesus, most of all, most of all, invested his life. His life. The only way this house happens is if Jesus gives his very life to pay for it. That's what it costs to build it. You know, we go to the bank, we We get whatever the cost is to build it or to pay for the house, uh, and and we use money to pay for it. Uh, Jesus didn't use money. He used his life. Um, Remember, the house is for all those who receive the forgiveness of their sins, right? That's who gets to live in the house, those who receive the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, That's the ticket. That's the pass. That's the occupancy permit needed to live in the house You have to have your sins forgiven. That's the only way it's possible to live in this wonderful place. Um, And there's only one way that the forgiveness of sins happens, right? Only one way. Only if somebody pays for your sins. And who did such a thing? Who would do such a thing? Who would pay for somebody else's sins? Would you pay for somebody else's sins? Jesus stepped forward and said, I will. I'll pay for everybody's sins. What's the cost of Jesus? Death. Death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said, I'll pay the death price. Jesus paid for our invitation to come and live in that house with him. He paid for it with his life. Let's read. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, when we were utterly helpless, there's nothing you and I could do to, to get the, uh, uh, an occupancy permit to live in that house. There's nothing, we, we couldn't pay enough money, we couldn't be good enough, uh, we couldn't follow, we couldn't be religious enough, we couldn't uh, follow any rules enough. There's nothing we could do. We were utterly helpless to live in that house when we were utterly helpless christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person you know you're a nice guy but i'm not going to die for you (laughs) most people aren't going to die even for a good person even for a, a, a great person though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. I mean, there's been a few who've said, all right, I'll give my life so that you can live. There's been a few that have done that. But it has to be somebody they love. It has to be somebody that's, that's good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we were still sinners. Think about that. Jesus paid for our life and we were his enemy. That's like us dying for, you know, somebody that just robbed our house or, or murdered our loved one. Okay, I'll die for you. You're, a, you're an evil criminal. I'll die for you. That's what Jesus did for every single one of us. We were his enemies because of our sin. But he said, I love you so much. I'm going to die for you anyway. Jesus invested so much to make it possible for people, for you and me, to live with him for eternity in this house that he has prepared. His energy, his resources, his very life. And here's what we must understand. While the house is for everyone to live in and enjoy, there's only one way that we get to move into it, right? We've already said that. They, we must, the person who lives in that house, must receive the forgiveness of their sins. Through the Christ, the, the the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. They must believe that Jesus died for their sins, that he is their Savior. They must make him the Lord of their life through their faith. That's the only way. Anybody goes and lives in this house. But for, before that can happen, before anybody can make Jesus the Lord of life, before anybody can put their faith in him and then receive the forgiveness that is offered. First, they've got to hear about it. You know, we don't just hear about Jesus through osmosis, uh, through the, the wind blowing through our ears. Now, the only way we find out about Jesus is if somebody tells us. Do you know about Jesus? Have you heard about the person who can save you from your sins? And that's where you and I come in. That's the job that Jesus gave you and me. Jesus calls you and me to be the ones to tell people about their Savior. Every follower of Jesus, every single one of us, every person who has received the forgiveness of their sins by God's grace should have the goal in their life of telling people in their life about God's wonderful grace through Jesus. One of the things that's going to happen in that big, big house is that those who are there will be sharing regularly in a big, big banquet, a big, big meal, a big, big feast uh, on that big, big table with lots and lots of food. Here's what Jesus calls those who are already who already have in their hand the invitation to live in that house and have an invitation to, to share in that banquet that's going to be every day. We're going to sit down with, with uh, maybe not literally, but we're going to sit down and share that living water, that, that wonderful food that's going to be there at the banquet. Jesus tells the parable that we call the great banquet in Luke 14, verse 21 through 23. Luke 14, 21 through 23. Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor The crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant has done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, well, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. So that the house will be full. Jesus wants his house and his table when the time comes to be full bulging over Uh, you got to pull in more chairs to 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 accommodate everybody and there's only one way that's going to happen and that's if you and i do as jesus is telling in this parable you not go outside of this building or our homes or wherever we isolate ourselves sometimes and invite people in for this banquet and and Jesus is not talking about, in this parable, inviting them to church. You know, when he says, uh, invite people into the banquet, he's not talking about the fellowship meal that we have on Wednesday nights. Now, we need to invite people to those things. We need to invite people to our services, to our Bible studies, to our worship times, to our events. Yes, we, we definitely need to do that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about his brick and mortar house that we call a church no he's talking about inviting people to the house and the banquet in heaven that's what he wants us to invite people to come to well how do we do that we tell them about the one who prepared the house who prepared, who's who's giving the banquet we tell them about jesus and there's only one the way that's going to happen And that is if you and I just do it, if we do it, tell people in our lives, people that we work with, people that we meet along the way, people that are in our families, tell them about this wonderful house and this wonderful banquet that all of us are going to enjoy if we know Jesus as our Savior. And if we're going to do that, we've got to invest like jesus invested we've got to invest like jesus did we've got to invest in relationships with people in our lives through intentional relationships i'm i'm seeking this relationship with this person for the express person purpose of making sure they know about this house and this banquet and god's grace and forgiveness to not be like a renter but to be like an owner. I own my salvation. I want you to be a part of it too. And I want you to know, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes so that you can experience it too. We've got to be willing to invest our energy like Jesus did. You know, relationships take time. You you can't have a one-off relationship. Hey, how you doing? Do you know Jesus? Um, yes or no, okay, I'm done with you. Um, You can't just have a one-off relationship. It's going to take time to develop the relationship so the person can know you and trust you and know that you care. That takes time. It takes energy. We've got to give of ourselves to people's lives. Um, It takes our emotions. It takes our heart. It takes our presence. It takes our physical strength. We've got to make time on our calendar to talk with them, to eat with them, to listen to them. Instead of running out, you know, to, to just have lunch all by ourselves somewhere at work. How about, hey, let's, let's have lunch together today and, and talk. Just get to know each other and, and, and work your conversation around to spiritual things if we hope to have the chance to share the message of christ his house this wonderful banquet we've got to be willing to invest our energy in a relationship uh, that so that they can uh, know that we truly care about them and that god cares about them too not like a renter but like an owner we got to be willing to invest our resources you know, in any kind of relationship, we discover that in order to pursue that relationship, we've got to be willing to invest whatever resources are needed to make it happen. We've got to be willing to do it. I mean, picking up the tab when you have lunch with somebody. Uh, offering to give baby clothes or furniture. Uh, that you've got stored up in your attic that nobody's using. Maybe you see a friend, oh, you, you could use this. Let me, what if I give you that? Paying a utility bill if, if they're in a hard uh, situation. Throwing a birthday party for somebody at work, maybe if that's not a normal practice. Um, offering to give somebody a place to sleep for a few days if they're, if they're needing that. Buying school clothes and a backpack for the kids for the fall. Hey, can I, can I help you with that? Offering to use your truck to haul off an old couch to the dump. Uh, Help somebody uh, by lending them your tools and your time and energy to help them change a a fan belt, your neighbor next door. Uh, You know, whatever it takes. Let me invest my time and energy, but also stuff that I have uh, that that could help. Many times with the investment of energy, the investment of resources is always required. They kind of go together a lot of times. And, of course, the investment that really makes the, the first two possible is our lives. Like Jesus, we got to be willing to invest our very lives, not by putting our life to death necessarily, no, by just giving of our living life. One thing is for sure, if all we can think about is ourselves, if all I can think about is investing in myself, if all I can think about is investing in my energy uh, and, my, and keeping all my resources just for me, if that's all I can do, I'll never. There might be somebody that God has put in our place that will never find Jesus because we were so busy investing in ourselves. No one will be invited to the house and to the banquet if, if all we do is invest in ourselves. The only way that we're going to be successful in helping people in our lives uh, get to live in that house and, and share in that banquet is if we invest our life in their life jesus said in, in luke fourteen twenty seven and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You ever thought about that before what that means what's the purpose of, of the cross back in the first century? The purpose of the cross was to take your life. you know it, the purpose of the cross wasn't to be a pretty thing to hang around a gold thing to hang around your neck or dangle on your ear or put up on the side of the building or up on top of the steeple i mean those are nice reminders but that wasn't the purpose of the cross something pretty to to embellish something no the purpose of the cross in the first century was one thing to kill you to kill you and here jesus uses the image of the cross to help us see that following him means giving up your life Pick up your cross, the thing that kills you, and follow me. Following Jesus means giving up your life. And if we give up our life, who gets it? Who are we giving it to? We're giving it to Jesus, right? Jesus gets our life. My life is yours. Take it. And what is Jesus going to do with it? He's going to do whatever he wants with it. He's going to do what he wants us to do with it. And, and what does Jesus want us to do with our life? He wants us to use our life to help people get to this house and eat at this banquet. Giving your life means doing with our life what Jesus wants. And Jesus wants a full house, a full table, and he wants you and me to fill it. It's our job to fill it. So as we add investment to our ingredients, let's ask God to help us understand how truly precious and valuable people, people's lives are to God, to constantly remind ourselves That person that's in my life is is most valuable to God, more than we can imagine. And then be willing to give our energy, our resources, our very lives to help them experience God's grace. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this this story. And what, what a great, wonderful promise it is to think about this house that we're going to live in, you know, we can imagine the most spectacular mansion here on earth and and uh, and that kind of gives us an idea of earthly splendor. Uh, we can't even imagine what heavenly splendor is going to be like, but that's that's what you've promised. Uh, because of Jesus, we get to live with you and, and and enjoy a banquet and share in your presence for eternity Lord, help us to realize that people around us in our lives right now don't have your grace yet. They've never proclaimed Jesus to be their Savior. And it's up to us to share uh, your Son with them. And so just help us just to keep reminding ourselves every day to stop thinking so much about ourselves and to think about others and, and to think about how we can share Jesus with them. Uh, Lord, thank you so much, again, for your word and for uh, this great promise that you've given us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go through these uh, these ingredients, again, at the end of the series, I'm going to give everybody a card that's got, got them all on it with the scripture references. Um, but one thing that's happened to me, it happened last time we did the series, and then this time as well, is it really, as I'm out and about, um, as I'm volunteering over at the Veterans Place re- recently, I, I really am, uh, am, am am mindful, more than I have been, more than I was, about that person is a precious soul to God, uh, and God loves them. What what can I do to reach out to them? It's really helping me stay focused more. And so it'll be real easy for us when we're done with this and we move on to something else uh, to, to just, well, we'll put that away. And forget about it. But this is so important we can't forget about it. Uh, so let's just keep reminding ourselves, how am I doing on my integrity and my accessibility and my faith and, and my mercy uh, and my investment? How am I doing? Uh, what have I got to do to make it better? Uh, if there's someone here today that needs to know God's grace, please come forward and let's, let's talk about it. Facebook, let's get, it, let's get together this week. Uh, don't wait another day to get your life right with, with God. Let's, let's sing our closing song.